2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. Well, we've got a decent amount to get through today. Um, Not a ton of time to do it. However, we got to touch on the most important things. Obviously, we have to look at the Detroit Lions, um, see how they're doing, what their whole situation is about. Got to talk about the injuries which are very unfortunate, and then time permitting, I want to see if we can clean up the rest of the calls. So why don't we start with the worst news first, which is the injuries, the injury report, um, pretty awful. Let me just read it. I'm just going to go through and read where we're at, and we'll kind of go in a little deeper from there. Jair Alexander, is on the injury list uh, with a shoulder injury. Corey Ballantyne, shoulder injury. Devondre Campbell, neck injury. Kenny Clark, shoulder injury. Josiah DeGuara hip injury. A.J. Dillon, groin injury. Rudy Ford, bicep injury. Rashawn Gary, shoulder injury. Elton Jenkins, knee injury. Aaron Jones, knee injury. Keyshawn Nixon, ankle injury. Darnell Savage, calf injury. Jaden Reed, chest injury. Dentavian Wick's concussion and a knee injury. Christian Watson, shoulder injury. Now, most, or about half actually, are scheduled to play. Corey Ballantyne uh, has been a full participant uh, since Tuesday, so Tuesday and Wednesday. Kenny Clark was limited all week and is, again, expected to play. Um, Rashawn Gary, full since Tuesday. Elton Jenkins has been limited all week but is ready to go. Keyshawn Nixon um, was a full participant on Wednesday. Jaden Reed was a full participant on Wednesday, but he didn't even pop up until Tuesday with his chest injury, but I guess he got over it pretty quick. And then Christian Watson was limited Monday, but then full since Tuesday. So those guys are all expected to be out in the field, ready to rock and roll. Questionable, we have Jair Alexander, who's been limited all, all week. Devondre Campbell, who didn't practice on Monday or Tuesday with his neck injury, but was full on Wednesday, which is a good sign. A.J. Dillon, limited all week, is questionable for this game, which, I mean, that's a topic in and of itself, the running back situation. Rudy Ford, questionable, he's been limited all week. And Dontavian Wicks, with his concussion and knee injury, did not practice Monday, Tuesday, and was limited on Wednesday. That one is pretty iffy, just off the top of my head. Then from there, we have Josiah DeGuara with his hip injury, hasn't practiced all week and is doubtful to play. We can probably just rule him out, which, you know, tight ends another topic of discussion. And then completely out, Aaron Jones will not be playing, didn't practice all week with his knee injury, and Darnell Savage, who is limited all week, is also out. Now, with all of that, there is also the addition of Luke Musgrave. Bill Huber wrote an article over for Sports Illustrated at Packers Central. The title is Packers Lions Tuesday Injury Report. Huge update for Luke Musgrave and Aaron Jones. And it says, rather than a season-ending ACL tear for Packers running back Aaron Jones, it was a sprained MCL, which should mean a short stint on the sideline. That's the good news. Obviously, a lot of us speculated. We heard the calls come in speculating that that may be the last time he plays as a Green Bay Packer, which is obviously, well... It was probably somewhat unlikely, but still pretty devastating to even think about. Anytime you see a guy, you know, covering his head because he doesn't, you know, doesn't want people to see him crying, especially when it happens early, you know that they know something bad happened. So that is fantastic. I mean, I st- stutter to even say that because it's nothing fantastic about it, but it's it's good that it wasn't worse. However... The article goes on to say Aaron Jones almost certainly won't play for the Green Bay Packers on Thanksgiving at the Detroit Lions. Tight end Luke Musgrave definitely is out. According to a source, Musgrave sustained a lacerated kidney. I get chills just saying it. A lacerated kidney during Sunday's victory over the Chargers. The injury was sustained when he was tackled and landed on the football. Musgrave stayed in the game. There is no timetable for his return to action. Musgrave was hospitalized because of the injury. The source said he is out of the hospital now. Quote, he's got a pretty significant injury, LeFleur said. I think it just speaks to the toughness because he didn't say anything all game and then something came up. So I don't remember the number. I don't know if it's in this article or not. He stayed in for, I want to say, like 16 more plays or something crazy. I mean, I, I, listen, I don't know what it feels like to have a lacerated kidney. I have to assume it is unbelievably painful. You know, usually the vital organs when you have pain you feel it your body is built a certain way so that the alarm bells are real loud when things like that happen you know i've never had a heart attack but i've at least seen movies depict heart attacks and it looks like it hurts like a mother like it looks like it hurts real bad you ever been poked in the eye that doesn't feel too good right just something about the organs man i i just you know you ever been punched in the liver it really hurts I me, and I've seen boxers just fall. Like, their legs literally give out. Like, your body's like, nope, dead, lay down. Something something hit your liver really hard. You're you're paralyzed now, bye. Dude fell on the ball, had a lacerated kidney, and just continued to play. Now, I don't know what came up, but something came up, and they were like, all right, something's wrong, and they went and got him checked out, and they're like, yep, you need to go to the hospital, sir, which is really scary because what if something didn't come up? I, I don't know. I probably shouldn't even speculate but it just i don't know maybe the something that came up is he freaking blacked out or something i don't know quote goes on to say it's been pretty significant the kid is as tough as they come and i think that was pretty evident coming out of the denver game when he hurt his ankle he was battling to get back into that game and wasn't happy when they weren't letting him back in talked about a couple other people how is this so common (laughs) it's ridiculous says uh November 2015, Chargers receiver Keenan Allen suffered a lacerated kidney and missed the rest of the season. The Eagles' Chauncey Gardner-Johnson missed five games last season. Apparently, lacerated kidneys are just a thing that happens. I don't know, but you know, I, I mean, it's just it, just it just it just it just sucks. And we've seen this happen a few other times where it's like, man, you've got this guy, and you really think it's going to be something special. And you get real excited about it, and they're just starting to hit their stride, and it's like, man, he's about to put the league on notice, and fate just snatches it away. Now, I don't want to over-dramatize it. Hopefully, he'll be back this season. If not, he should come back stronger than ever next year. But it still freaking sucks, like a lot. Now, I've, I've been on record essentially saying this season is not meant to be, and I love that the, the Packers are essentially battling fate. Like everything that could go wrong to sabotage this season has basically happened, and the Packers refuse to just die. They just keep fighting back. They keep finding ways to win. They're like, all right, freaking look at this injury report. You know, you got Gudekunst even participating, like, should I ship off Razul? Or, like, yeah, yeah. You know, Fate's like, yeah, dude, do that, please. Help me out a little bit for crying out loud. I'm trying to get you your draft pick. You're not doing anything over there. You're not even helping me. You don't even care about me anymore. But it is, um, Becoming a bit of a chore trying to overcome the challenges, which again, in the end might end up being, you know, again, I know it's it's a terrible thing for a lot of people to even conceive of rooting for draft picks or whatever, but um, if there were ever a win-win situation, it would be a dynamic team that is really talented, that was hampered by injuries that allowed them to get those really high picks. I mean, look at the 49ers. That was a talented team that kept losing their quarterback, kept getting top picks, and ended up with guys like Bosa because, oh, my quarterback got hurt, and we just got the number one pick, and okay, Bosa's ours now. Okay, now we got our quarterback back, and we're Super Bowl contenders again. Like, F you, dude. That's cheating. You can't do that. You're cheating. So the entire team's hurt. I saw somebody posted something. It was like 35% of our roster is injured or something ridiculous. But uh, it's just going to get Marvin Harrison here, okay? That's all you need to know. He's going to be here. And I don't need to know how the wide receiver rotation is going to happen, but everybody's going to play, everybody's going to be awesome, and we're going to win a Super Bowl next year. And uh, Luke Musgrave will get the game-winning, no, nay, the game-opening touchdown. Kind of like back in the 90s, he got that return for a touchdown to just kick this thing off. There's going to be like a 50-yard pass to Luke Musgrave down the seam, taking it to the house on the opening, not even the opening drive, the opening play of the game just launching it, which is going to be more than 50 yards. It's going to be like an 80-yard, 75-yard play. Okay, you're welcome. But uh, yeah, this sucks. But anyways, we got the injuries checked off the list, basically, so why don't we go ahead and take a break? We'll come back and start diving into the Detroit Lions a little bit. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business.
3: Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I
2: didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so
3: many you know, more doors. The show is
2: called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why?
3: And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, everything's peachy.
2: Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving.
1: Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of the uh, Air Force block.
2: Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out
3: of Control podcast. 512, security declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All
2: right, let's take a quick look at the Detroit Lions, currently sitting at a staggering 8-2. and two. I will say what I've kind of always said, I think, to some degree, what they are might be slightly inflated, simply because who is the best team that they've beaten? Seriously. Again, Kansas City Chiefs absolutely do not count. That was the worst, most pathetic performance I've seen from any football team, and they managed to beat the Chiefs by just a point. They didn't have their two best players, the receivers couldn't catch, the quarterback couldn't throw, nobody could do anything, and they barely won the game. They played the Seahawks, who were a good team, but they lost. They beat the Falcons, who suck. They beat the Packers, who were bad. They beat the Panthers, who suck, the Bucks, who suck. Played the Ravens and got absolutely obliterated, 38-6. to they beat the Raiders, who suck, the Chargers, who suck, and the Bears, who suck. Now, to be fair, most teams suck, and it's there's still something to be said about managing to win all of these games, and most of them, they've won pretty handily, right? They beat the Falcons 20-6, they beat the Packers 34-20, they beat the Panthers 42-24, they beat the Bucks 20-6, beat the Raiders 26-14. Uh, the last two, though, after the bye week, bad teams, they won, and it was pretty close. They beat the Chargers by 3 points, they beat the Bears by 5. So they're very close to going 0 and 2 after their bye week against two pretty bad football teams. And I think that's kind of where a lot of people are looking is what they've done recently and saying maybe they're not exactly as good as what their record would indicate for example. But even if you look at DVOA, they are ranked as the 4th best team behind Baltimore, San Francisco and Kansas City. Offensively they are ranked 5th. And defensively, they're ranked 10th. That's a good football team. Now, maybe, you know, this is more of a cumulative what they've done throughout the season. Whatever, whatever. And they're struggling now. It is what it is, man. Anything could happen. But if you're looking at the top, the 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 10 teams that don't suck, the Lions are one of them. Bottom line. Even if a lot of the wins are fraudulent, there's a lot of teams not beating bad teams, including the Packers. Um, I kind of like to look at this whole correlation thing. When do they win? When do they lose? But when you're 8-2, and two, you pretty much always just win. But let's take a crack at it. Um, looking at uh, from a how good is their defense standpoint, the offense seems to only need to score about 20 points. When the offense scores 20 points, they are 8-1. and one. 20 points. From an offensive standpoint, the defense has to keep teams under 30. Realistically, honestly, under thirty-seven, their only two losses came to the Seahawks, who scored thirty-seven, and the Ravens, who scored thirty-eight. So, in reality, every team in which they've been able to keep a team under thirty-six points, the Lions have won. They are seven and zero, and they actually won one of the games when the Chargers scored thirty-eight. Looking at defensive yards, basically keep a team under four hundred yards, and you're good. The one kind of interesting thing here: the defense has actually been really good at. Turnovers in that they've had a turnover in every single game except one, and they lost that game. Something to keep an eye on, I suppose. Uh, Looking at PFF real quick, uh, they also have the Detroit Lions as the fifth best football team with a 90.6 overall grade. Basically, every single category is in the 70s or higher, except tackling at a 58 and coverage at a 64. Every other category is good to great. 85 offense, 84 passing, 76 pass blocking, 77 receiving, 87 rushing, 76 run blocking, 73 defense, 76 run defense, 71 pass rush, 77 special teams. I mean, just, just a very consistently good from top to bottom, left to right, good football team. Uh, Jared Goff playing maybe the best. I mean, we said this last year, maybe the best football he's ever played. He has an 87 PFF grade an 84 passing grade. I mean, it is, that's really, really good football. In fact, that is his best. I would say by a mile, but 2018, like that one year when the Rams were unstoppable and it seemed like golf was actually going to be the guy and, and you know, uh, what's his name? And the Rams showed up as the head coach and it's like, it changed everything. I think that was the year Matt LaFleur showed up, something like that. I don't exactly remember, but he's been freaking dynamite. Now he was trash last week part of the reason they really struggled. But again, that was such an outlier. He had a bad week against Baltimore also. But the two weeks in between, he had an 82 and an 88. I mean, aside from those two games, his passing grades, 74, 79, 75, 70, 93, 75, 82, and 88. Aside from his two bad games, that's what it was. That's insane. So again, he had a bad day. And he's had two bad days in his last four games. It's possibly as a bad day against the Packers, and we end up taking advantage of that, whatever. Jared Goff is playing unbelievably good football right now. Um, one thing to keep in mind is he is struggling under pressure. He is being pressured 33% of the time, which again is kind of low. I know it seems high, and you know we see Jordan Love at 30%, and it seems like it's crazy. It's really not. And the Packers pass rush has been struggling the last two to three weeks, which is a real big problem. But just just to keep in mind how drastically different this is, Jared Goff, when kept clean, has a ninety two point two passing grade. He has a let's see, adjusted completion percentage of eighty four percent. He's thrown for two thousand and ninety yards, fourteen touchdowns, and two interceptions. When under pressure. He has a 52.7 passing grade. His adjusted completion percentage is 69%. He's thrown for 652 yards, two touchdowns, and six interceptions. Pressure is everything. You get pressure on Goff, he goes from the best quarterback in football to trash. Period. He can't handle pressure. But if you don't pressure him, he is a freaking robot. That's, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's the entire difference in this game. At least as far as our defense is concerned. If your number one priority isn't pressure the quarterback, you're an idiot. As far as receiving, we all know Amon Ross St. Brown. He's also just fantastic right now. He has a 90 receiving grade, 73 receptions, already 900 receiving yards and five touchdowns. After that, number two is actually Sam Laporta already. Nearly 70 targets for almost 500 yards and four touchdowns with a 73 receiving grade. That's obviously fantastic. And then number three is Jameer Gibbs. Uh, He has a 74 receiving grade. He has 37 receptions for 259 yards. So the two young guys are certainly making an impression. And, I mean, pretty big upgrade over what they had. Jamison Williams, not so much. He was their first-round pick, elite speed, the whole nine yards. He has a 55 receiving grade, 10 receptions, 133 yards, and two touchdowns, but just not quite getting there. But as far as receivers after Laporta and Gibbs, it's or after Amon Ra, I guess, would be Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond. They both are about a 70 receiving grade, so they're not terrible. Running the ball. Um, The number one running back is still David Montgomery, which I know frustrates a lot of people, but he has an 81 rushing grade. He's doing a really good job. I mean, they got a great offensive line, so that kind of comes with the territory, but 577 yards, 4.9 yards per attempt, eight touchdowns, two fumbles. Jameer Gibbs, 75.5 rushing grade. 98 attempts, 512 yards, 5.2 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, no interse- uh, no fumbles. And then Craig Reynolds, um, who is the number three, has a 79 rushing grade. So Jameer Gibbs has the lowest of the three as far as is the rushing grade, and it's a 76, which is a really high grade. He also has 179 rushing yards and 4.4 yards per attempt. So the lowest yards per attempt is 4.4, Craig Reynolds. So the running backs are doing a good job. Uh, The receivers are doing a good job. The quarterback is fantastic. Let's look at the offensive line, because why not? Uh, Left tackle Taylor Decker. He has a 70 run blocking grade and an 80 pass blocking grade, because of course, Jonah Jackson is, I mean, Jonah Jackson has always reminded me of John Runyon. They've always been very similar, just with Jonah being more of a run blocker than a pass blocker, but still like solid, late round, like talented guys. Jonah's also falling off. He has a 54-pass blocking grade and a 62-run blocking grade, so that's definitely a weakness to exploit in this game. But then you have Frank uh, Ragnow at center, 83-run blocking, 75-pass blocking. Graham Glasgow, Glasgow, whatever, right guard, 77-run blocking, 71-pass blocking, and then Penny Sewell, 86-run blocking, 82-pass blocking. I mean, these guys are playing out of their mind. I mean, we know they have a good offensive line, but it's not usually this good. It just isn't. Just like their quarterback is not usually this good, and their running backs are not usually this good. Their offensive line is very good. It's not like this, though. I mean, they're just playing at a high level. Now, now again, this is compared to their opponents, and if your opponents suck, then you're going to look better than what you are. Maybe it's just because there's so many bad football teams and everything, they're just so much above everybody. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is this is what they're doing, and they look really, really, really freaking talented. On the... Sorry if this is depressing you. On the defensive side of things, um, we'll just go inside out as usual. Defensive interior, Alim McNeil. (laughs) Freaking Alim McNeil. Um, Never really been a very good football player. He is a a nose tackle. He has had a 55 and 59 run defense grade, which is what he's primarily there to do. He's never been very good. He has a 77 run defense grade, a 76 pass rush grade nearly a 10% pressure rate, five sacks, and an 88 overall defensive grade. This is stupid. (laughs) So stupid. After that, you have John Kaminsky, 61 grade, and Benito Jones, 47. Those two not doing as well. Uh, Isaiah Bugs also kind of mediocre, which is actually quite good for him because he's not a very good football player. But Alim McNeil is playing out of his mind in year three. Maybe it's just time for him. Off the edge, Aiden Hutchinson, 90 PFF grade because freaking of course. Run defense is just a 64, but a 90 pass rush grade. He has 58 pressures on just 371 attempts and five sacks. Not going to do the math, but that's quite high. On the other side, you have Charles Harris, just a fifty-six grade, but he still has 22 pressures on 178 attempts, just two sacks, but still the pressure rate is there. Romeo Okwara, 73 with seven pressures on 85 attempts. He has more of a run defense and tackling kind of a deal going on. A linebacker, Alex Angeloni, 80 PFF grade, 73 run defense, 67 pass rush, 79 coverage. This is so stupid. This is disgusting how good everybody is. And then Derek Barnes and Jack Campbell are the other two linebackers. Derek Barnes, 63 grade. Jack Campbell, the rookie, 45 PFF grade. Uh, Not very good at all. 37 grade in coverage. At corner, Cam Sutton, who was brought in, has just a 58-grade, 58-coverage grade. Not very good. We mentioned we looked at the overall PFF grade. That coverage was kind of a weak spot. Jerry Jacobs, being the number two, has a 64-grade, 62-coverage grade. Um, And then Brian Branch is the guy on the slot. He's actually doing quite well. 73-PFF grade, um, 71-coverage, and an 84-run defense, which is not surprising because he was always very... Good at the whole tackling thing. It's a little bit more up and down with Brian Branch. It has not been very consistent. Most of that grade is based on like two games, Atlanta and Green Bay, obviously. But still, for a rookie, uh, for a, well, he was second round, I guess. I thought he was later for some reason. As a second round rookie, he's playing pretty well. And then finally at safety, Kirby Joseph and Tracy Walker. 55 and 66, the coverage grades for Kirby Joseph, 47 for Tracy Walker, 61. That's not super great. Again, coverage being somewhat of a weak spot. So overall, top to bottom, pressure the quarterback, attack their weak spot on defense, which is coverage. The offensive line is going to have to block because Aiden Hutchinson's on a tear. But you you block up Aiden Hutchinson, not with freaking wide receivers and tight ends, please, with offensive tackles. Get the ball out to your wide receivers. Let them make plays against their corners and their safeties and their linebackers who are not very good in coverage. And again, defensively, you have to generate pressure. You have to. So there you go. That's how that goes. Let's take our final break. We'll come back and rip through some calls, and then we'll get out of here and eat some freaking turkey. All right, let's wrap this up with a few more calls. I think we've got five calls, so we can... uh, should be able to get through those and call it a day. And very, very appropriately for Thanksgiving, we are going to start off with none other than snacks.
1: Ryan, what's up, man? Snacks. What's up, man? I mean, Tagura, Jones, Musgrave, Wick. Yeah, dude. Wilson. Uh, yeah, let's throw AJ Dillon in there for good measure, measure. You can just throw Reed in there, too, with some sort of chess thing. Christian Watson. He's there, and even if he wouldn't be there, he's there. Right. Um. I mean, come on, man. I, I know that this is a family program and whatever else, but what the? Uh,
2: I don't think he said uh, it. I don't think he said it.
1: Anyway, I hate to be the guy that complains about stuff like this because everybody's dealing with it. It's the NFL, and I get it. But, man, I mean, i was Jenkins too. We haven't even talked about the defense. Right. Ah, serenity now, man.
0: Serenity now. That's it. See ya.
2: Yeah, and it's it's like I said, man. It's just it's just not in the cards. And to be fair, and I know this isn't how uh like reality works, but um, let's just say that if we're gonna have a year where it's just our turn, you know, just that's just how it goes. Some years injuries are bad. Some years they're not so bad. Let's get it out of our system this year, okay? Next couple years, healthy. This year, just get them all out of our system right now. Lacerated kidneys and blown ACLs and all the crazy stuff. Get it out now. But yeah, it's it's getting crazy. It's crazy too because, you know, when when the season started, it was bad. And you kind of feel like, all right, like it's pretty rough and then we're going to there's going to be another side of this where it's not as bad. Like, you're going to come out of this situation and it's like, it just keeps getting worse. And then, then you get healthy and it's like, hey, look at that. There's only like seven guys on in the injury report. Like, it's way better. And then you play a game and it's like, oh, you mean 15 or however many guys there are? Like, oh yeah, that's what I meant. That's what it was. Never mind.
4: Hi, Ryan. This is New Berlin Guy. Um, just wanted to call in and talk about Reed for a little bit. Um, I remember my last call about talking about how we didn't have that physical forward receiver. We were one to go get the ball and stuff like that. Um, well, this last game, I'm not going to say that he is that guy yet, but I think he is showing us glimpses of him being able to be that guy the physical type receiver, um, the receiver that can go get the ball. I didn't think he could when we played against Minnesota because he had that one play where Love threw him the ball and he literally got it snatched from the safety. Um, And that kind of irritated me because I felt like he could have gotten that. But the 50-50 play. I know I shouldn't be that upset about it. But Coming back to now, I feel like he's improved, like, a lot, and he can be that guy. He's not there yet, but he can be. Um, I also think that A.J. Dillon is starting to play a lot better. I was critical of him, and my fiance hated it because she loved A.J. Dillon, (laughs) but... I was critical of him and he's starting to play it. Now his rushing yards may not be up there but his receiving game is up there. So I just I think he's getting a lot better. Um we play Detroit tomorrow and hopefully we win, but we have a lot of injuries that are going on and one of them wasn't even reported until like yesterday with uh Luke Musgrave being hurt. So We'll see how it goes, but I'm hopeful, and even if we end up taking me out, I think that we can see some bunches of hope, even against Detroit. The Detroit defense did not look that great against the Chargers. They didn't look that great against a um, couple teams. So, <clears throat> we'll see how it goes. Have a good day. Come back.
2: Yeah, I mean, in regards to Jaden Reed, it's we're getting there, right? I mean, it's it's we have every reason to be excited about the progress and seeing these guys move toward their potential. Um, it doesn't mean that they're elite, but it's so good to see us move. You know, because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, Jaden Reed could have very easily been drafted and been complete garbage i mean technically he still could be but if that's what we're going to be doing this year is evaluating and growing and learning if that is the goal that we set i don't know how this could have gone much better so far that's that's i mean if, if you draw it up it's you start off slow and clunky and not very productive and as by midseason you start to see guys like Luke Musgrave emerge you start to see guys like Jaden Reed Emerge, you start to see guys like Dontavian Wicks, which might be a little bit pie in the sky. A guy like Dontavian's gonna have, but hey, maybe. And here we are. Now, how much higher do they go? I don't know. Same with Jordan. I mean, if we've peaked, kind of sucks, but it doesn't feel like we've peaked. Feels like a team that's figuring out how to use these guys. You know, with Matt Lafleur trying to figure it out. First time really getting Jaden Reed involved in some of this stuff, and look what he's able to do. And for me, anyways, that's kind of that's kind of the goal. I mean, it, it kind of feels like preseason. It's not as much about the winning and the losing, although it's, you know, nice to win. Um, and usually when things go well, you do win. But it's just about I want to see these guys emerge. I want to see Jaden Reed make plays. I want to see Dentavian Wicks and Jordan Love make plays. That's it. It's preseason.
1: Hey, it's Jimmy. Hey. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. you too. Uh, I want to tell you what I am thankful for right now. I am thankful for um, the excitement that the season has given us so far. I am excited for the anticipated uh, excitement uh, of this game coming up tomorrow, my time. I don't know when you'll hear this, but uh, I'm gonna make a bold prediction. So if you end up playing this after the Thanksgiving game, when you see that Tucker Craft had his breakout game on Mm -hmm. national television, you'll know, Jimmy Jimmy called it, Tucker Craft, that's my call. I just thought it'd be fun to make a little little Thanksgiving prediction, um, and also I really enjoy this. I'm um, listening to your uh, your expanded context with the PF upgrades, and I think it's obvious not obvious to everybody, maybe, but it, it hit me right away that it's really cool. Uh, it's really interesting and gives makes all these numbers not just numbers kind of floating in the air. It, it, yeah, and
2: I'm I'm sorry I didn't do a better job. I started getting so caught up in my own thoughts, especially the frustration with the defense that I just, I didn't feel like it, but I want to do that more often just as we, so we can get more familiarized with the numbers so we can kind of understand like, okay, it's not just four, it's four, which is like a, you know, which is a good thing or a bad thing or whatever. So it's, it's not as much a Today, we learn everything there is to know. It's just, I want to do it more as we go along so we get more familiarized with what the numbers and the grades and everything else mean.
1: Gives them some, as you say, context. And what I really enjoy is that you seem to be punctuating uh, each one when you're done with your point by saying context, which <laughs> I, I dig. I think you should work that in. It reminds me of uh, of um, uh, The Office when they're doing their, oh no, I'm blanking on the word. Um, when they're jumping all over the place and yelling out parkour, that's oh, it. Yeah. parkour. <laughs> so it feels like context. Anyway, or boom, <laughs> roasted. <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't really have much to add other than that. <clears throat> um, I, uh, I guess I'll just say this. Um, there's no reason we can't beat the Lions. Uh, there's also no reason we can't beat ourselves. <laughs> so, right. uh, let's hope we build on this momentum that we have. Let's hope that this like slowly decreasing momentum they have, maybe we can increase that momentum kind of, kind of in, assert our momentum against theirs and keep theirs going, keep ours going and, uh, and, and roll, like load up the momentum on the way to the chiefs. That would be pretty cool because they're slipping too. So, you know, maybe as we know uh, <clears throat> any given Sunday and uh, football is one of those things where it depends on when you get the team. So, Maybe, maybe, maybe we're the right team to get these teams at the wrong time. Uh, Go, Pack! Go! Happy Thanksgiving!
2: Bye, bye. Yeah, you know what? I just realized that's kind of cool. Um, I had mentioned over the years on this podcast that there had been times in the past, not very recent past, where the Packers just hadn't had good years. You know, early two thousands or whatever. Um, and you end up playing a game where you're not expected to win. And it's not even really uh, it's not close, right? It's just the Packers are going to get smoked in this game. And I remember thinking, "Dude, we could do it." Like how exciting would that be if we got this win. And I I brought that up on the podcast because it was such a foreign concept. That's just not a thing with the Packers. Even if they were underdogs, there was still as Packer fans an expectation. Because it's, it's, it's a refusal to believe, like, frickin' 49ers aren't best. Screw them. Dude, we're the, we're the best team, whatever. Um, that's I feel that way now. There is sort of this feeling of, like, dude, they can do it. Like, if Jordan's playing at his best, and if we can get that pass rush with Rashawn and, and Wyatt or whoever's healthy, you know, and these guys can kind of get going, Preston and Kenny, and, uh, you know, you get Jaden Reed and Wicks, and I don't even know who's – I forget who's playing – the bottom line is, you get these playmakers going, you get the pass rush going, you start getting some, you know, maybe you get a Valentine pick or something. Dude, we could do it. We could pull it out in Detroit on Thanksgiving National. Like, who's to say we can't do it? It had nothing's been determined yet. Keyshawn Nixon opening kick return for a touchdown. Who's to say it can't happen? Now, do I think it's not? It's going to happen. No, I don't. But that's the point. It's kind of cool. One of the benefits of being in this situation, and there aren't too many, is honestly, in a weird way, I actually get to appreciate football the right way. One of the big drawbacks I had for being just a fan of a dominant, dominant, dominant team for my entire life almost is that everything was an expectation. Packer games were fun. But it was also just stressful because it's like, dude, what if we lose? What if we lose? Oh, can you imagine how awful it would be? And if you win, it's just it's just relief more than I, it's not excitement, it's relief. Like, oh good, we didn't lose. I'm just so afraid of that one loss. And it's it's so devastating when the Packers lose. It's like, you bunch of freaking idiots. I can't believe this. Like, there goes the Super Bowl. <laughs> and the bottom line, it now it's like I'm a lot of that stress is gone. I'm not massively stressed about the Packers losing. It's not that big of a deal. I expect to lose several more games this year, especially the next two weeks against the Lions and the Chiefs. I, I have no illusion that it's extremely likely they go 0-2 the next couple weeks. I know that, and I don't care. And yes, I'm going to be a little bit stressed like when game time comes around. And yes, I'm going to be angry and frustrated at bad plays, bad throws, dropped pass, missed blocks, like it's going to tick me off penalties. No doubt. But I have the opportunity to actually just enjoy football the way it should be enjoyed, to come in with no expectations and to just watch football and get excited about good stuff that happens and get excited about, dude, maybe they could win. What if they win? That would be amazing. And then if they win, just pure jubilation, not relief, excitement. That's how it should be every single week. And we very rarely get that opportunity, at least for many of us as Packer fans. We very rarely had that opportunity. Because of the way that we approach a lot of games, which is expectation as opposed to just enjoying watching your football team play. And who knows, maybe we'll get lucky and they'll win. It's fun. It's exciting. And I'm I'm glad that I get to approach the game that way um, as opposed to, you know, so many years, especially when you're like the third best team. I mean, it was so frustrating because you are at one of the truly... Like Basically, the Detroit Lions, like you are one of the best, no doubt. You're a top five team, that's not debated by anybody, but you also kind of mumble around, like, Well, they're not good enough to win, they're not better, they're not gonna. They, the way the defense is playing, the way this guy's, the way that we don't have the receivers, we don't have, we're never gonna. So, you mope around, you know, 13 and three season, and we mope around as though, like, Well, this team sucks. So, anyways, I'm just glad that. Um, Get to appreciate football a little bit.
3: Hey, Ryan. What's hey. going on today? Happy early Thanksgiving. Thank you. Hope you're ready to stuff your face with some delicious food. Yes, I am. Um, question for you. If you had to pick our top, well, let's rank them in order. So, one, two, three, about our top three receivers right now, I'm going to do it two ways. I'm to do who you would put on the field. On Thursday, assuming everyone is healthy, which I know they're not. Okay. Hmm, as our best receivers, would it be Watson, Dobbs, Reed, or would you swap Lixom there or maybe do something else? Um here, hear what you do for who you think is the best right now. Rank them in order one, two, three. Not necessarily like X, Y, slot, just I get it. who you think is best. Um, and then... Potential long term? Is it the same three, or would you uh, switch it up? I'm having a hard time answering this question myself because I think Dobbs has good hands. I love Watson's speed, um, but I think uh, I think Jaden Reed and Wicks are probably our two best receivers right now, just how they're playing right now. I'm not saying potential long term anything, but I think it also could be long term because Reed is explosive. And Wicks is a route running technician. Um, he's just always open. Um, the caveat there is, I think Dodds is a pretty good route runner. I think he has really good hands. Um, I think he's a smart, smart player, good possession receiver. And I think Watson. We talked. I mean, we talked about all the intangibles he has. He puts it all together, but. I think Watson's biggest um, thing he needs to work on right now is his route running precision. But anyways, let me know what you're thinking on that question. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving again. Talk to you
2: later. That is a really tough question. I'm sitting here thinking the whole time you're talking. I don't know. I really, really don't. And the the, the funny thing about it, because they all bring a different skill set. I know a lot of people want to just smash Watson down to four because his production has been low. And again, I mean, I can go into the whole diatribe about why I like him and why I think that production is what it is, whatever. It doesn't matter, right? If we don't overthink it and just look at production or whatever, yeah, Watson's probably four. But here, here's, here's the bottom line. And I kind of alluded to this before when I was like, this is like 2010, 2011 Packers all over it, where you just got five guys, in this case, four guys, I think, that um, are very equal. The gap... However you rank it, in my mind, the gap between one and four is virtually non-existent. I mean, really, at least right now, we'll see if, if some of these guys start to separate. I still genuinely believe Christian Watson is the most talented and has the highest upside of the receivers. That's what I think. I actually like his route running. I'm sure there's, there's some lack of preci- precision there, which makes it hard to connect with him or whatever. But in terms of his ability, I've been impressed with it. You know, his ability to break out of his uh, his cuts and whatnot, especially at high rates of speed. Obviously, the speed in and of itself is impressive. The hands are a problem. Now, I think he probably has the worst hands of the group, which is not good. Um, but it's just they they bring such different stuff. I mean, Dobbs is a... It's going to sound like an insult, but he's he's like a lesser number one, which I know doesn't really make sense because it's like, well, you mean like a number two? No, I mean like he he's like a Devontae if you just took it down a knot you know like if Devonte is take all the things that make Devonte Devonte, and you just make them all tens take these five most important categories he ranks 10 dobbs is like a seven across the board he's got that dog mentality where he's it's that my ball that that back shoulder the route running that like he's he's got those things not elite but good wicks as you said seems to be a phenomenal route runner and even the the data sort of of backs that up, you see people come up with these charts, and it's like here is separation, and freaking wicks is by himself in front of the entire NFL. Like what? And you saw that. I mean, on on his tape in college and whatnot, he had to go back a year. I remember when I watched him. I think uh, JJ sent it to me, and he's like, "What do you think of this guy?" And I remember watching it and just thinking, "This is garbage." And there was one play, and the the one game I watched, there was one play where it was like my jaw hit the floor. Like what the heck was that? So it was like, there's something in there, but we're talking like fifth, sixth, seventh round guy, just kind of random. I'm going through a hundred different prospects. I see that one little flash and it's like, okay, that's interesting. And it kind of makes you go like, all right, maybe there's something there, but I'm not going to overthink it. Like it's whatever. Turns out if you go back a year, he did that all the time. He's, he's just, he's a gifted mover. He just is. The way he can move his body is very, very impressive. He just, just can do things that other people can't do now. What is his ceiling based on his athleticism and all that kind of stuff? I don't really know, but I tend to think he has a pretty high floor just based on if they can get him to continue to move the way he moves. And and at the very least he'll be very good and very in in a limited role. Uh, Reed, Reed is kind of the wild card. I don't think he has quite as high of a ceiling as Watson, but I think he probably has the second highest ceiling, but he also might have the highest likelihood of reaching his ceiling. Just, if if for no other reason, then we haven't really seen him plateau. we Like Dobbs, I and maybe it's unfair, I feel like we've seen what Dobbs is. And it's a good thing, but I don't know that he gets better. Watson, it's been two years, and it's like, I know what his ceiling can be, but I'm starting to doubt he'll ever really truly get there, especially with the drop issues. It's like, I don't know, I don't know. But Reed, it's like, I don't know, he's just getting better every week. And I'm not sure how high the ceiling goes. So I, I guess to directly answer your question, one, two, three four, I guess. You said top three. All right, we'll do top three, I guess. And and the way that I'll kind of answer it is, right now, Green Bay Packers, number one, who's the guy you want in a critical situation? Who's the guy? I think it's probably Dobbs. If for no other reason than I think he's the most reliable, number two is probably Reed, and then number three would probably be Wicks. And again, I really, really like Watson, but it's just... You know, it's whatever. Without overthinking it, it just is what it is. Answering it the way that I answered it. Who do you trust as the most reliable guy right now? As far as upside, I think number one is Watson. Number two is Reed. Number three, I don't know. You know how I am with my late round guys. I'm very biased. And I hate to do Dobbs that way and put him at four. So I'll, I'll, I'll put Dobbs three and Wicks four. But in all reality, I'm curious to see where Wicks can go. All right, final call, Nate. And then we're getting out of here.
0: That guy, Nate. Um, just had a call for those watching the uh, Joe Barry um, press conference, and you know, I, I feel I feel for the guy. Sometimes um, I want him gone just as much as everybody else. He, you know, he gets that level of hate that, like, okay, you know, he, he's still a person. Right. you got to gotta ease up a little bit. He's still a person with a family. Um, but then he'll say something <laughs> that just makes me so angry. Because it's just the dumbest thing that's ever like been spit out of a coach's mouth. Like they were talking about, um, you know, the Lions' offensive line. It's really good offensive line. They had a really good run game, um, and then they kind of like move into like talking about play action passing. And then he goes in. He's like, "Yeah, they got this one play where they, um, you know, they it, they they come out in a package that looks like a run, um, and then they they like fake the run, and it uh, turns into a play action pass." Like, thank you, Joe. Thank you for <laughs> defining what action is. That's that's not a thing. You, like, like it's, not, it's not a specific thing that the Lions do. That. They
2: got this one play, guys. Check this
0: out. <laughs> it's a thing every team does. That's play action. <laughs> Good Lord, man. Like, that, well, you want people to stop, like, hating on you and calling for your job. Then you need to stop saying stupid things and just, like, there's coach speak, and then there's just being an idiot. <laughs> and you're, you're drifting into idiot territory. So... Oh, man, Joe Barry, man, you uh probably not going to have a job next year, so uh, have fun with that, I guess. I I hope you can find something to uh, keep food on the table, but god damn, oh, dude. Man. Oh, <laughs> they got this one play. He's to take it to the running back, and then it's a pass. Mm. Thanks, Joe. Go, Pecco.
2: Oh, boy. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but, yeah, I think especially with, you know, the uh, – feeding frenzy starts you get sort of the the cool popular thing to do is to really hate somebody and so you know then it just kind of spirals out of control so i i'm kind of that way too i i don't pile on the reason big part of the reason i don't pile on joe barry even though i'm i'm in the camp of it's it's time to move on is largely because everybody's on that side i mean first of all there's nothing really interesting to discuss there i don't need to really persuade very many people it just is what it is right it's it's whatever but also, it's just—it's such a, you know, when you have ninety percent of a fan base that can't go five minutes without comparing him to Adolf Hitler, like literally. Um, and I know it's a joke, but I'm just saying, it's like I—I I, I don't feel the need to walk up and just like kick the guy in the ribs. Like he, his his bones have been turned to powder. He's been kicked so many times by this fan base. I don't need to walk up and and uh, contribute to that. So I generally. You know, I agree, but I I don't participate in the public crucifying of Joe Barry that goes on basically daily, but that is funny. I have not seen that yet, but I will have to check that out because well, maybe I don't want to. I don't know. But it's pretty pretty amusing, I guess. Sad and amusing. <laughs> I got this one flight. <laughs> Anyways, you guys have a fantastic Thanksgiving. I I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to be out of well, not out of town, but in a different town, a few towns over. I am going to eat myself into a coma. I'm going to either drive home or tell my wife she needs to drive me home. It's going to be very late. I may end up doing just like one sort of combined Packernet After Dark slash here are my thoughts podcast. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do two. We'll see, but I will give you something tomorrow as best as I can. Otherwise, I'm sure um, Clayton's going to have some great content for you as always. And we will just keep on rolling. Go Pack Go! Have a very happy and uh, great Thanksgiving. If you celebrate, if you don't celebrate, just do it anyways. (laughs) It's an American thing, but, you know, if you're in Sweden, just eat a bird of some sort and lots of other delicious foods. Just just make large quantities of food, have some friends over, and just celebrate being happy because there's food and football and just happiness. That's it. That's Thanksgiving. Here's my family. Here's my food. There's football. Today's a great day. The end. <laughs> Have a good day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye bye.